Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Doggone it, Pastor Joe. I guess I was barking up the wrong tree on that one. How's everybody? (laughs) Well, let's open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Dear Jesus, we just pray over this time we have together this morning that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit on each and every person that's in this building, that is watching at home. For the times call for it, Lord. We are in desperate times. I just think the breath that we take in and out is just glorifying you as that song conveyed. Today, Lord, pray that you would open our hearts and minds to those things that we never thought of, never heard of, and to reinforce those things that we have heard before, but show us some new light on it, Lord. Because you can only do that. I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on this place. Pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit out on the teachers and the kids downstairs. Bring us closer to you, Lord. And we just ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so I need a little audience participation today. If we, you could help me out with this. So if, you open up, if you're not open up to Isaiah 53, could you please do that? And I'm going to read the odd number of verses. And if you could all read the... Thank you. The even number of verses. And even if you have a different translation, it's okay. We'll just say that you're speaking in tongues. So I'll start off with one, and we're going to read the entire 50, uh, Isaiah 53, all 12 verses. So I'll kick it off with verse 1. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. 
By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, we forgot to dismiss the teens for Sunday school, so guys and girls, you can head down now. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to look today at the book of Isaiah, which, of course, as you know, is an Old Testament book. Isaiah, the prophet, his name means Yahweh is salvation. He was a prophet and a poet 740 years before the birth of our Savior. And if you're here today, I want you to just have an open mind. Whether you are a non-believer, a marginal believer, or a believer. And just think about that, that 740 years before there was a baby born in Bethlehem named Yeshua, Isaiah was given this message by God to convey to the people. Twenty years before this letter was written, Assyria invaded and conquered ten northern tribes. At that time, that was known as Israel. I'll show you in a map in a second. Isaiah was called by God to warn the nation of Judah, which was the southern kingdom, where Jerusalem is, of a similar outcome if they didn't repent and turn back to God because they were getting mixed up in the world things, the pagan things, the immorality, the idolatry. It was a message of warning. It was a message of judgment. But it was also a message of restoration and hope. Judah, Judah was spiritually bankrupt. There was a messianic kingdom promised. The descendant of David was going to rule over Israel with a righteous rule. And the sin-bearing and suffering servant were being introduced to in Isaiah. Again, 700 years before. On the map you can see the uh, pink area is Israel. The blue area is Judah. Assyria conquered that pink area. And later on, Babylonia would come down into Judah. So Isaiah is the prophet preaching down in Judah to get the people to turn back. The Bible you have on your phone or the Bible you have in your hands, the hard copy, is an amazing supernatural book. There's no other book like it in the whole world and never will be. It's 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. It was written over a 1,500-year period by 40 different authors from three different continents, different nations and varying cultures. Contains three different languages, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Greek. 1947 in the Quamram Caves in Israel near the Dead Sea. Some shepherd boys were picking up stones and they were chucking them in the cave. And all of a sudden they heard a like glass break. They didn't know what it was. They found out it was a vase and inside the vase were all these parchments. One of the parchments that they found was the entire book of Isaiah in that cave. And for the next 10 years, they went in there and they found so much, so many things. I'll read you a little bit of it. The vast majority of the Dead Sea Scrolls were simply copies of books of the Old Testament from 250 to 150 B.C. A copy or portion of, of nearly every Old Testament book was found in the Quamram Caves. The Dead Sea Scrolls can also give us confidence in the reliability of the Old Testament manuscripts since there were minimal differences between the manuscripts that had previously been discovered and those that were found in Quamran Caves. 
Clearly, this is a testament to the way God has preserved his word down through all the centuries, protecting it from extinction and guarding it against significant error. Amazing. The book of Isaiah is called the Holy of Holies of God's Word. Now, the Holy of Holies was the tabernacle section that only the priest could go behind the curtain once a year for his sins and the sins of all the people. It's where God at one time resided. And that started way out in the desert with Moses when he built the tabernacle. The book of Isaiah is the Bible in miniature. It has 66 chapters, just like your Bible has 66 books. The first 39 chapters are all about judgment and hope. The Old Testament 39 books are all about judgment and hope. The next 27 chapters of the Bible are the New Testament. They're about comfort and encouragement. And the 27 chapters in Isaiah are also about comfort and encouragement. It mirrors the Bible. Amazing. Before the New Testament was even written, it had those 66 chapters in it. Isaiah 53 is also known as a forbidden chapter. In synagogues today, they don't read Isaiah 53. 200 years before the birth of Christ, they did. And it talked about a suffering servant. A servant and a suffering servant. And they would read it. But when the church age started, and Christians, followers of Christ, Messianic Jews, who are also known as completed Jews, started to recognize that the suffering servant was none other than Jesus, they started not reading chapter 53 in the, in the synagogues. Amazing, right? So we'll see today part of that as a suffering servant as we go through Isaiah. Now, I remember when I was a kid, and I'm sure most of you remember the... Um, you're going to help me with this one. The magazine... That would be in a dentist and doctor's office. And when you're in there, you try to find all, they would say, find these images hidden. Highlights, thank you. Highlights. Right? Sometimes, sometimes things are hidden in plain sight, even though it's in your face and you don't see it all the time. And some of you might see that giraffe on the right side of the picture. If you don't see it yet, keep looking. You've got about five more seconds before I switch the slide. But he's always been there, but just wasn't recognized. And the same thing is true with a lot of the scriptures that people read and they don't really understand. <clears throat> they worked out mathematically that if <clears throat> eight prophecies out of over 300 could be fulfilled... It's like one to the tenth and twenty, uh, one out of ten to the twenty-eighth power, which is equivalent to filling up the state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep, marking one of them, mixing them all up, then have a guy fly from Jamesburg to Texas when he's over to states and say, "Okay, you can let me down here." And they lower the helicopter. He goes out and he reaches down with a blindfold and he picks out. The one silver dollar that has the X on it. That's the chances of any one person fulfilling just eight prophecies. Just eight out of over 300. Well, Yeshua fulfilled them all. All of them. If you could turn, hold your place and turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. <clears throat> and 
And I'll read it, and you can just follow along in Acts 8, 26. In the New Testament, right? It's the New Testament. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. We've heard that name. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found as Zotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's take a look at some of the things that Philip discussed with this Ethiopian, who was a very rich man. He was in charge of the treasury of the Queen Candace of Ethiopia. But he didn't understand. So this eunuch, very wealthy, had a scroll, a parchment of Isaiah. It wasn't like you can go into a bookstore today and buy the Bible. Not many people had this. That was a rarity. And it just happened that he was reading the book of Isaiah when Philip was told by God to run to that chariot and get him. He was seeking God. As maybe many of you are seeking God. Or want more answers to some of the things that God has put on your heart. So you can go back now to Isaiah 53. We'll be there for the remaining of the time. And we're looking at verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Basically, he's being said, who's receiving God's word? People are rejecting it. No matter what we preach, people are rejecting the word of God. They're not taking it in. Isaiah's telling the people what God's word is and they're rejecting it. They don't want to hear it. When you reject God's word, you're rejecting God. Now, notice the next part of that same verse about the arm of the Lord being revealed. No one can believe unless God's arm reveals it to you. Like if I have a book, and it's the only book like it, the only way I can give it to you is if my arm's extended and I hand it to you. I present it to you. Whenever we receive anything from the Lord, it's because he, He's extended His arm to you and me. It's His authority, it's His power, it's His presence. But notice, in the next thing, they didn't obey the Gospel. They had all these prophets that were being sent to them. The northern prophet, part of Israel, that was known as Israel, and I'm down in Judah, they knew the Assyrians were attacking them. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
when I used to coach, I used to always yell in the locker room and stuff. My voice never cracked. Now that I don't coach anymore, it breaks down, so bear with me. But all did not obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? In 1 Corinthians, what I'm going to do is going to show you the Old Testament, and then I'll say a couple things, and I'm going to show you one of the verses that complete the Old Testament that we're studying with each of the 12 verses that we look at. So in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's God's arm, His strong arm, being presented to us. Look at verse 2. For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. He's going to grow up as a tender plant. I want to just look at one word, two words there. Grow up. He's going to grow up. You see, <clears throat> the nation of Israel and Judah believed that there was a Messiah coming. Messiah means anointed one. That there was one that was coming, sent by God. And they were always waiting. They were always looking for an earthly king. They were looking for a, a huge buff guy coming in a big chariot with white horses and coming in and destroying all the Romans. That was their image. That's, how they, that's what they were hoping for. But yet our God is a personal God. He loves us so much that even throughout the Scriptures, even in Genesis, He starts prophecy. Genesis chapter 5 is the prophecy of the whole Gospel. If you study and research it through the names. Psalm 22. It's about the crucifixion of Christ. So He's put it there throughout history for the Jews and for the Gentiles. He's trying to reach everybody somehow. Grow up. He's got to grow up. Remember? During Christmas, the cards, the songs, name is Emmanuel. God with us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. Prince of Peace. So God has given us things in plain sight. But do we see him? A tender plant is a root out of a dry ground. You don't think anything would grow out of ground like that's up on the, like the desert. It's cracked. Can anything come good out of Nazareth, the Bible says? Bethlehem? A lot of sheep herders and sheep? What good can come out of these places? But out of dry ground, where no one thought growth could come, comes Yeshua. He had no form or comeliness, and when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. He didn't stand out. He's a regular guy. There's usually no beauty in the eyes of the self-righteous. There's no revelation in people who think they know it all. One of the things that was bad during this time was the religious leaders were dead spiritually. They had the form of godliness, but denied the power of God. They didn't teach the people the God of the Old Testament. They were too prim and proper. They stood on the corners to get adulation from the people. They weren't servants. That was displayed in the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah. They clung to their traditions. Traditions were more important than the Spirit of the living God. In John 1.11, it says, He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. He came to the people of Israel. He came 
to the Jewish people. But they didn't receive him because they were looking somewhere else. They were looking to the right, the left side of that picture, opposite the giraffe, not on the right side, where the giraffe really was. Next verse, verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. He was despised. He was rejected. He was sorrowful. He, was, he suffered. He had no respect by the religious authorities. No admiration. Because he, he didn't fit their mold. They hid their faces from the Messiah, the Christ. They held him in contempt. They neglected him. There's other ways to be saved. You don't have to go through Jesus. You don't have to go through Yeshua. Love of self prevents love for the Savior. Because you're actually taking on that I know it all, or you know it all. That you got a wire. You know everything. You, you know how the universe works. You know how the eyeball works. You know how the heart beats. You know, we, we know all these things. If you don't know the written Word of God, you can't know the living Word of God. Mark 15, 19 says, Again and again they struck Him on the head with a staff and spit on Him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to Him. No respect. They despised Him. They hated Him. The world hates Jesus. They reject Him today. That's why it's so glorious when somebody finally sees what's always been there. And their lives are changed forever. Forever. And it gets better and better. The revelation gets more and more. As we keep drawing closer to Christ, He draws closer to us. Isaiah 53, the next two verses, verses 4 and 5. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now when we read the Old Testament account of Isaiah 53, I'm sure many of you said, boy, that reminds me. Or it's talking about Jesus. Even though it's 700 years before Jesus was physically before God physically came to this earth and wrapped himself in a little baby and grew up into about a 33-year-old man before he was killed. I want you to notice something in these two verses. Our griefs, our sorrows, our transgression, a transgression is a line is drawn, don't cross it, I see the line, I'm going over that's a transgression. A sin used to be a, like an a, archery. Yeah, I'm trying to hit the bullseye. And when I missed, they called it sin. Missing the mark. The word iniquity is crooked and twisted. We were born in sin. In my mother's womb, I was conceived in sin. It was twisted. It was crooked. It wasn't the path that just led right to God because of the fall of man, the sin nature. Our chastisement was upon him. What's chastisement? It's corporal punishment as defined by law. Now when Isaiah wrote this, corporal punishment was usually just stoning to death or beheading. It wasn't until later on that crucifixion came. Amazing. And, by our, and he took our stripes. Speaking about the scourging. Where most people would die from the 40 lashes that they would give him. Because the lashes would be stone and bone and glass on the whip. So when it went in, it stuck and then it got ripped out. If you saw the Passion of the Christ years ago, 
They said that they could not duplicate what the Scripture said, both in Isaiah and in the New Testament, because it would have been too gory. He couldn't be recognized as a man anymore. He was beaten so bad. But notice, hour, 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 hour. This suffering servant, he was wounded. Another word for wounded is pierced. He was hit with firm blows. Both when his head was covered and he didn't know where it was coming from. And they said, okay, if you're the son of God, tell me who's hitting you. Bam! He knew it was me. He knew it was you. He knew who that guy was that was doing it at the time. Afflicted, causing pain and suffering. He was wounded. He was bruised. He went through that corporal punishment. He was whipped. In 1 Peter 3.18, in the New Testament, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Verse 6 in Isaiah. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Has laid on this servant the twistedness, the crookedness, the sin, the transgression. Notice the first word in Isaiah 53.6. All we, were the first two words, all we. All we. And notice the last word, us all. We're all included in this. There's no separation of race, ethnic groups, religions, atheists, doesn't matter. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. We've done our own thing. If it feels good, do it. Go for all the gusto. For today we eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we might die. And notice that the Lord has laid on him, the servant, the iniquity of us all. Universal sin, all we, personal sin, his own way, I've gone my own way. Sheep, not one of the smartest animals. Sin is foolishness. The Father laid our sins on Christ himself. On the Messiah. He prophesied it in the Old Testament throughout. Mentioned before Psalm 22. Huge. Believe on Him today if you haven't chosen Him yet. Because He's trying to show you. Because we're only passing through all of this. We're on our way home if you're a believer in Yeshua. In 1 Peter 2.25 it says, For you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's in the New Testament. That's a, one of the fulfillment scriptures of what we just looked at. Yes, you've gone astray. We all have. But now, strong arm. It's bringing us back into the fold. Jesus is the door. We go through the door into the pen, and he oversees our souls. He's diligent. He's faithful to watch over us. He's the author and perfecter of your faith and mine, and he's always growing us. He's always putting us things in our path for us to grow and to be challenged and to be tested. Let's look at the next verse. Isaiah uh, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Again, 700 years before this 
servant came into play on this earth. Notice he kept silent. He could have overpowered them. He could have destroyed all of them. But his love for you and me and all the people kept him silent. That is amazing. What strength is that? Huh? How many times something happens to us and we want to put it right out of our mouth? Right? Go right after these people. All of us have been cheated. All of us have been disrespected. How many times have we fought back? I fought back a lot of times. He kept silent. Because he knew you. He knew me. That is unbelievable. But that same God who knew you and me before we were born is the same God who told Isaiah to write this 700 years before Yeshua was born. So he can do anything. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. He can do that. He can do everything else. Falls right into place. Matthew 26, 53. One of the verses. There's many of verses. But this verse, Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? They say a legion is five to 6,000 soldiers. Talk about 60,000 or more People could come down of angels and just rescue him. But he could have done it by himself. He didn't need the angels to help. Let's look at verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He was taken from prison, right? He was arrested. He went to the seat of judgment. Who shall declare his generation? You and I are right now. And people have throughout the ages. He's resurrected. For he was cut out of the land of the living. That means he, they killed him. He was dead. For the, why though? For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Our sin, our transgression, our iniquity. In Acts 8.33, in the New Testament, in His humiliation, His justice was taken away. And who will declare His generation? For His life is taken from the earth. We see in this verse, in the Old and the New Testament, the whole idea of substitution. Spurgeon who was a preacher in England, who the Lord anointed mightily, said Christ's substitution is the brightest star in the galaxy of Revelation. The idea that one man could die for every person that was ever born, that one man could substitute his place for your sin. So just as Adam sinned and the whole earth became under that sin nature, so one man, the second Adam, Yeshua, Jesus, died in our place as a substitute so we don't have to be eternally separated from God. And God showed, Jesus showed us this on the cross when He said, My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? The fellowship with His Father was broken for the first time because He became sin for us. He took on all the sins of all the world. And He said, up in those verses in the, on the cross, He called Him Father. Father. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, into, my, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. But there's one moment where God did this to His Son. The first time that the father turned his back on his son. You know why? So you and me never see God do this to you and me. He was our substitute. He was truly a servant. 
that died in your place and mine. Verse 9, And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He died a criminal's death. He was innocent of any sin. That verse, just look, he, they made his grave with the wicked. Guys, that were, guys or girls that were crucified, sometimes they would leave them on the cr- cross to decay. And the dogs and the birds would just peck at them and eat them. If they needed that cross again, they would take the bodies down and they would throw them in a heap. As an example, for all the people that will walk by, that don't mess with the Roman government, because this is what happens to you. This is what will happen. But notice that they made his grave with the wicked. That's where he was going to go. But notice it says, but with the rich at his death. Something happened. Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, went to the governor and asked if he could have the body of Christ to bury it. And where did he bury him? In his tomb that was carved out for him and his family. And Joseph was a rich man. 1 Peter 2.22 says, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. That's in the New Testament. To describe Jesus, but notice it's also fulfilling what was back in Isaiah. Let's go to verse 10. Everybody doing okay? Yeah? Need to jumping jacks or anything? Okay, Isaiah 53.10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I want you to notice that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. What that's saying, it was the Father's will to bruise. Now the word is to crush this servant who we recognize as Yeshua, Jesus. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin. Now notice, he shall see his seed. Okay, talking about other generations. But he's dead. He shall see his he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It wasn't Pilate or Herod or Judas or the Jews or the Romans who crushed Jesus. He offered up his life freely. Him and the Father were together in this. They knew the plan of attack for your sin and mine and for the whole world's. He was our sin offering. He died by Him dying and rising from the dead. And people put their trust in Him as their Lord and Savior. You're His offspring. You're His sons. You're His daughter. And He sees that. Acts 2.23 Jesus was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. I love this when I heard it when I was first a Christian. You know, the nails were seven to nine inches. And these bad boys are in here, okay. Seven to nine inches, the nails that went into Jesus' wrist between the radius and the ulna. You see, if it was here, it would just pull out. But here you have two strong bones and the carpal bones of your wrist. So when it goes in there, the bones are holding. And then they crossed his feet similarly and put it right between the two. But you know what? It wasn't these three nails that held them up there. It was His love for you and for me. Isn't that awesome? 
<laughs> Greater love has no man that he would lay down his life for his friends. But while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, Yeshua, died for us. Oh my goodness. I couldn't do that. Even if I could, it wouldn't do any good. Because I'm a sinner. Falling short of God's perfect standards. In John 12, 24, it says, Moshe, surely I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. When Jesus died and rose, it produced much grain. That single kernel died, opened up. I'm looking at a lot of grains right here. The result of what Jesus did. Isaiah 53:11, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. In Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. A ransom is to buy back. It's to release someone who's been held captive. That's what he did for us. His death was a ransom for you and me because we were in the prison of sin. We were, in, we were going to Hades, to hell, and eventually the lake of fire. But he said, no, I will go down and change that. Give them an opportunity to switch and make the right choice. And in Hebrews 9.28 it says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. And boy, what a day that will be. What a day that will be. Isaiah, the last uh, verse, verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. The spoils refer to our human hearts and the love of those he has redeemed. Christ carried the sin of his people and suffered in their place. And we talked that about the substitution. John 3.16. I never get tired of hearing John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I like 17 just as well. For the Lord didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You're not condemned if you come to Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. He's taken on your sins. He's taken on your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. We were all future when He died on the cross for us. There were all future sins then. We weren't even around. So in this time that we've had together, Christ is concealed in the Old Testament. Christ is revealed in the New. The Messiah, the Anointed One, is concealed in the Old Testament. Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua, is revealed in the New. They go together. It's in plain sight. You need to know Genesis to Revelation. You get the big picture. <clears throat> okay, I need one more swig of water as I finish. Okay, here we go. This is going to go quick now. <clears throat> is it a coincidence that in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 we see all this of the things that were fulfilled in the New Testament so many of the statements of Isaiah are in the New Testament they were referred to by the apostles by Christ Jesus referred to a lot of things in the book of Deuteronomy that happened but wouldn't it be cool 
if Jesus was in every book of the Old Testament, wouldn't it be awesome? Because we see him in Isaiah. Uh oh, let's go. Ready? In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he's a judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's a kinsman redeemer. In 1 and 2 Samuel, he's the prophet of the Lord. In 1 and 2 Kings, he's a reigning king. In 1 and 2 Chronicles, he's a glorious temple. In Ezra, he's a faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder of everything broken. In Esther, he is our Mordecai, our advocate. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he's our shepherd. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, he's a loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's a weeping prophet. In Ezra, he's the Son of God. In Daniel, he's a fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's a faithful husband. In Joel, he's the outpour of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's a mighty savior. In Jonah, he's a great evangelist. In Micah, he's the everlasting ruler born in Bethlehem. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's a watchman. In Zephaniah, he's a restorer of the remnant. In Haggai, he's the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, he's the one pierced for us. In Malachi, he's a son of righteousness with healing in his wings. He, whoops, he is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.